Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Great Monday to you and yours. Hope you're well. Thanks for tuning in to us. I'm Jeff. That is Director Matthew producing. As we're wont to do on Mondays in this hour, we have my cohort now. That's right. I was going to say my boy. Managing editor, warchant.com, but now he's my, my co-worker uh, to, to boot. Um, but the but the insight is still greatly appreciated, as always. All guests appear via the Phone Hero hotline. Phone Hero specializes in an iPhone and iPad repair. Two locations, 2915 Cary Forest Parkway, 833 West Gain Street, online at phoneherotoh.com. Let's bring him in now. Ira warchant.com. Hello, Ira. How are you, brother? I'm great, Jeff. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Doing very, very well. I, I thought it was, uh, well, it's a fun time. It's a busy time, and we're all excited about the change. I'll be headed over to Warchant.com starting on August the 9th officially, um, I guess at least uh, in terms of uh, public appearances and doing things for the site. Uh, I'm already there now, but also uh, headed over to 93.3 FM, and, and so uh, everything is rounding into form, and we're real excited about the weeks to come to be able to promote that and talk about the things we're going to be doing. But I'm also really excited because – and you wrote about it on Warchant.com, and so did Michael Langston. And, you know, I, I think the big news of the weekend, as it pertains to Florida State, Florida State specifically, is uh, the kids that were here on campus and the yeses that they got and their continued successes in recruiting. Uh, I don't know if you want to start with, with uh, Richardson on the offensive line where they're really knocking it out of the park, or if you want to go to Daniel Lyons, the defensive tackle, um, maybe we start there because those guys are at a premium and hard to get, and Florida State got one from South Florida. So that's a big deal to beat out Miami for a kid in Daniel Lyons uh, who says yes to Florida State over the weekend. Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, they, he's really their second defensive tackle commitment. They did get uh, Antavius Woody mm-hmm. last month, who's a guy who plays offensive and defensive line, uh, could play either one in college. Some schools were recruiting him for offense, some were defense. Florida State's recruiting him as a defensive lineman, and uh, he's a really nice player. And uh, But, you know, they're, 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 this is important for them. That's not a huge position of need for them right now. Defensive tackle, they signed a bunch of kids in the most recent recruiting class that they think can end up at defensive tackle, like Chambre Jackson and um, the young man from uh, Quincy, um, yeah, yeah, Josh yeah. Farmer, as well, that they think they're going to bu- they're, they're bulking up into defensive tackles. Um, but it was it was good to get a second one in this class. Uh, I don't know they may end up getting one more as well. Um, but yeah, he's a really nice player from from South Florida. And uh, and as you said, on the offensive line, they got their fifth commitment now on the offensive line. And I can't imagine anything makes FSU fans much happier than hearing they've already got five commitments on the offensive line. And they're targeting three to four more. Now, nobody thinks they'll sign eight to nine people, but I do think that any time you go after the numbers like they are, uh, you're challenging kids uh, to see who likes competition and who can handle it. But, you know, this is – I guess what I would get at is if you're Florida State, this is the right approach, is is to throw numbers at a problem and let it work itself out. I mean, we – I think that collectively as the fan base are so tired of desperately needing offensive linemen to, to finally get, well, in this case, by the way, Dottry Richardson, correct me if I'm wrong, he's like a legitimate tackle. So they have a tackle prospect in here now, um, which, is, which is absolutely huge. So, you know what? Yeah. Help is on the way. Yeah, you're right. They, some of the guys that they've got commitments from before um, are, are guards. They're still in the mix, as you said, for, for some other uh, – really high-level offensive linemen as well. In fact, one of them, 
uh, is announcing this this Friday. We don't I don't know that they're going to get him, but Florida State's one of the four finalists for him. Emory Jones, a four star mm-hmm. offensive lineman out of Louisiana. Um, but yeah, they've they've really uh, Alex Atkins has done a really remarkable job um, recruiting offensive linemen. Dotry Richardson, as you said, you know people didn't get a chance to to see it. He uh, he announced on Instagram. He was he actually announced Sunday, but he wasn't at the camp. He was back home. Um, he was down in South Florida, but he uh, did an Instagram live announcement, and it's a really nice thing. I mean, he'd written up a letter and uh, talked about his mother, who apparently passed away, and how close he is with his father, and how his father's really gotten him on the right track, and just was really gracious, thanking the other schools that have recruited him, and uh, but you know, obviously sounded really excited about coming to Florida State. He grew up in Tallahassee. Uh, I believe he went to Godby High School before moving down to Miami, and uh, just seemed like a really um, you know, just really sharp and, and kind of focused uh, young guy. And I think, again, that's where you're, what you're hoping for with this staff is they're, they've got 17 commitments now for 2022. It's a top five class in the country. Uh, you know, what you're hoping for is that these coaches have really nailed it uh, with these kids with their evaluations. And from, from what we've seen so far, all the indications are really positive. Yeah, 6'5", 285-plus pounds. He's uh, Like you said, he's from Tallahassee. People see the Miami Central, um, and, and they may not realize that. But, yeah, he is from Tallahassee. So, um, you know, look, I, I just get uh, – I get excited about the, – to me, the progress they've been able to make despite very little evidence on the field so far – that would give kids a reason to feel this good about Florida State. It does mean they are connecting in some capacity. Their message and their their belief in where they're going to be, um, you know, th- their I guess uh, you know a willingness to sit down and have honest conversations. Because that's one thing that's come out of a lot of this when you've asked guys, you know, why Florida State. They've appreciated the straightforward approach. Uh, I hope that resonates to the, you know nobody nobody expects that every one of these kids currently verbally committed to Florida State uh, by the time it comes to national sh- signing day will say yes somebody will opt out somebody will get an offer that maybe blows them away and then you know they 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 decide to go somewhere else but if you can if you can reach it, the, the vast majority of them and connect with the vast majority of them and they like what it is you're telling them at least in terms of being a realist. You you do have a shot, even if you have a six and six season, of holding on to the vast majority of these guys. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, I mean, they do uh, take a really straightforward approach. And one of the comments that I thought was um, pretty interesting uh, from a story we put up on the site today uh, that Michael and, and Austin wrote from uh, at the camp on Sunday was Sam McCall, the safety out of Lakeland, yep, uh, five Lake star high school, mm-hmm. big time recruit who uh, committed pretty early. And, uh, you know, one of the comments he made was, he's like, he, they're kind of taking joy in the fact that nobody really expected this from this FSU class. Like, he's like, nobody nobody would have expected that we put together a class like this, and they've kind of taken ownership of it. And he said, you know, Travis Hunter really kicked it off, the big five-star recruit out of Atlanta. Uh, you know, Sam McCall is highly recruited, as, regarded as well. And then they've just kind of got their ball rolling, and those guys have taken that ownership to where they want to see this. You know, that – that's one thing that's kind of underrated is nobody wants to sign with a school or commit to a school where they feel like uh, they're the only big time players coming in. I mean, they want to, they want to build this class together. And I think you're seeing that. So coaches deserve most of the credit. No question. Mike Norvell, his staff has done a really good job. The support staff he's put together has done a really good job, but also these players, I mean, they, they, these current players and the recruits, 
they've done a really nice job of, of you know helping to sell Florida State. Well, for Florida State, you, at some point, it is going to be about getting quality players to get you to where you want to go. And you, and every coaching staff that takes over a situation that is not where it wants to be and not where it should be based on its history has to land a recruiting class that is shaping up like the one that Florida State has for 2022. I mean, no matter where you look to the successes, where there have been turnarounds, where coaches have come in and found a way, it's always started with having one really good class. And we've documented the Jimbo stuff so many times. And this, this feels like this is that kind of class. And there's still more names out there, of course, and more guys that are huge names, in fact, that if they were to get, would, would you know, this would almost, like you said, it's top five right now. I mean, this would, you, they have a chance to solidify that if a couple more guys that they're looking at and who are seemingly very interested were to say yes and stick with Florida State. This would be that class that we look back on in three years when Florida State's winning football games again at the clip that I think the fan base and the alumni and those that support Florida State expect them to. This would be the one. Yeah, I mean, it's already a good class. I mean, with the 17 commitments they have, if you, if you look at the last, I don't know, seven, eight spots, however much money they end up with, and you think of the guys that they're involved with, like you said, I mean, uh, the tight end, Jaleel Skinner, who's mm-hmm. a big-time tight end receiver prospect, uh, Kevin Coleman, a big-time five-star wide receiver, uh, who's really close with A.J. Duffy, the quarterback commitment. Um, there's some, there's a, another running back or two that they're involved with um, that you know, we'll see how it works out with them, but they're going to at least get one more running back. Um, they've, they're, they're, they've got a chance. They've done a really good job the last few weeks, really back to the end of June, and then to now, really loading up on linemen. Uh, so now the spots that they have left are a lot of, you're, you're going to see a lot of skill guys. Maybe it's another one or two offensive linemen, but you're going to see a lot of skill guys, more high profile guys, playmakers. Um, and I think that's going to, you know, has a chance to elevate that class even higher. And to your point, yeah, I mean, it's it, when you talk to people on the staff, when Jimbo was here in 2010, 2011, 2012, before they made that run for the national title. It, the building blocks were those classes, 11 and 12 particularly, and uh, and and you know this could be that class. Now we don't know if they're going to have that kind of success, but you have to have success on the recruiting trail first. You just can't get by with you know average to below average players and just think you're going to coach your way out of it. So you know I got to ask you because I get I'm a giddy like a like a fanboy like 16 years old all in on everything Florida State when when we talk about. Uh, the the legend that is Shade Tree on campus this weekend. He was seen all throughout town. My phone, because they know I'm a geek about Marvin Jones, uh, is is being texted all hours of the night. I got a text last night at 11:30 uh, at a at a, an establishment locally where a friend of mine was, uh, and and Marvin Jones was, and uh, and I thought, well, this this has to be good news. Are it, what are the chances moving forward that they ultimately get Junior on board here the way we've talked about for so long? I, you know, I still think there's a decent to good chance. I mean, I, I think there's a good chance. Uh, I mean, look, this this week, you know, you're talking about he's going to be here for about three days. Uh, he's here with his dad, Shade Tree. Uh, they've been a lot of players from his era that live in town who have been out kind of, uh, excited that he's in town, Kirk Carruthers and mm-hmm. Corey Simon and different guys who are out hanging time or hanging out with him, uh, kind of rekindling those relationships. And, you know, you got to think that has an impact on his son. He's going to be here, as I said, for three or four days. He's not expected to leave, I think, until Wednesday. 
And, um, yeah, I don't expect him to commit during this week. But, you know, I think it's definitely a good sign. He was here uh, in June as well. He kind of grew up around FSU's campus. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's, the, the challenge is going to be, obviously, Alabama wants him, Ohio yeah. State wants yes. him. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> the best teams in college football today. So for him to pick Florida State, it's going to have to be some of those heartstrings and some of those relationships. And I think that's what, you know, kind of this week is about, just seeing him interact, seeing his dad interact with the you know guys he played with, guys that came before him and after him, uh, the bleed garnet gold, and, and see if that resonates. If you were just going to pick, if if his dad didn't play at Florida State, if his dad was not Marvin Jones Sr., you, got no chance. you, you would think Florida State would have almost no chance. But that's a big factor, and it's just hard to say because it, it affects different people different ways. Yeah. Uh, I think they've got a good chance, but obviously, you know, if he's making a strictly a business decision and taking the emotions out of it, you know, there, there's a, definitely a chance he'll pick one of those other schools. Yeah, to Iris' point, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, and then there are a couple of Florida schools that need not be mentioned that are also obviously <laughs> making a go of it. But, I mean, there you go. I mean, that's that's the creme de la creme in college football right now. I mean, it's nice not to see Clemson's name on there, but uh, he's got visits scheduled for Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama. Uh yeah, you have to hope that it's not solely a business decision and that heartstrings do play a part of it and that he could be a big reason why Florida State emerges once again as a preeminent program. I mean, that that's a guy that's a game changer. So we cross our fingers. Well, yeah, and that's and just to, to emphasize that, you know, just talking to people, former players, other people that have seen him, uh, yeah, man, I think that everybody's the consensus that he's going to be really special. I mean, you never know 100%, uh, but it's not just these Marvin Jones Jr., the fact, whatever his name was, from what people have seen, his frame, the size he's going to get to, it seems like every time I've seen her, seen him over the last year or two, he's gotten thicker each time. Um, you know, you're just filling out that frame. That, you know, he's got a chance to be a really special player. So you think about some of these guys on defense, like if he comes in with, you know, Tyler, uh, Travis Hunter and mm-hmm. Sam McCall and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of these other players. That are Preach it, Ira. Class. Preach it, buddy. He may be listening it, right now. It, it could uh it could be a really special group. Yeah, because what is he six four two fifty right now? That's ridiculous. And and doesn't look like looks lean. You it's know? the dumbest thing in the world. But for anybody who's ever been around his dad, you just you see that body type and you you see the damage he did on the football field. To look at him now, you realize he can still throttle us all. Um, you know, <laughs> if he, he it, it's his son, there it is. He's emerging right before our eyes, and it's certainly something I cross my fingers for, brother. I always appreciate it. Talk to you real soon. Thanks, Stephen. All right, take care. That's uh, IrishFLWarchant.com. Yeah, man, I. I always say when we end up having these conversations about um, Marvin uh, Jones Jr. that, oh, it's it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, his dad's Marvin Jones. How do you not come to Florida State when Marvin Jones is arguably, and I have argued this for as long as I've been on the airwaves, and uh, he has always and was always my favorite player in Florida State history. I mean, I if we had a draft just picking your favorite players coupled with how their their athletic prowess, their dominance, their impact on the program, what they represent to you as uh, a Florida State football player in a dominant era, all of that. Marvin Jones goes number 1 for me. I pick him over Dion, I pick him over Charlie Ward, I pick him over you name it. Marvin Jones is my guy. Uh I just think that 
not only was he a menace on the football field, but when you consider, uh, I mean, this is a guy that uh, could have won the Heisman. He was invited to the Heisman ceremony, top five, the Heisman voting. I mean, this is at, at linebacker. When you watch the games being played, teams had to had to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to do about Marvin Jones, and very few were able to ever figure it out. He was just that kind of a wrecking ball. Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply You know, I think we said this, and I think a lot of people thought it, and a few said it nationally as well, when it wasn't um, convenient to debate something for an hour to fill time about something they already know to be a foregone conclusion, and that is that Aaron Rodgers was going to play for the Green Bay Packers this year no matter what if he was going to play football. Now, there was the chance that he wasn't going to play football. And last week on the show, late in the week, I said, look, I don't care if this is about the money or not. It appears that it's not about the money. He just hates certain members of that front office. He feels, quote-unquote, disrespected. They're not getting rid of that GM. And they hold all the cards financially for him regarding you know whether or not he played in the future. He, he couldn't go anywhere. He would have had to sit out and wear it, and uh, that, that would have been costly at some point. And I understand Aaron Rodgers has got a lot of money. But there's two things here. He's 37 years old, and if he'd like to play football and continue to add to his legacy and have a chance to win Super Bowls, he needs to not sit out a year. He'd probably need to play in a place where he could do that very thing. And Green Bay came this close to going to the Super Bowl. And he did win the MVP. Now, what he doesn't have to do is play there long-term. He can try to work out a deal where it makes sense for him to walk away after this season. And they may be able to get that done. But but now it does not surprise today that Ian Rappaport reports what we, again, said was always going to be the case given the contract structure in the situation the Packers found themselves in, which is that they weren't going to be responsible for allowing Aaron Rodgers to uh, be traded. You could never get trade value back. You're just, you're screwed 
they had you bent over a barrel, anybody you were going to talk to, because they knew Aaron Rodgers was a malcontent. Um, it's looking more and more, according to Rappaport, like Rodgers will indeed plan to play for the Packers this season. Uh, he's indicated to people close to him, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. And, you know, look, you have a, a team that is not willing to trade. Um, you have a quarterback that doesn't want to retire. So this thought of him going and hosting Jeopardy or something like that, no. So those two factors, those are the two biggest factors. A guy still wants to play, still has a ton of game, and a team who has no intention on trading him. Okay. And then the financial realities of that situation. Yeah, Mark Murphy, um, who is the president of the Packers, um, at their annual shareholders meeting earlier this afternoon said that, um, or reiterated that they've been very clear and we're not trading him. Um, Tom Pelissero asked him if there was any scenario that could develop where they would trade him, and he said, absolutely not. So he's not going anywhere. Um, but I don't know. Like we talked about that there's somebody in that front office that Rodgers hates. It's the um, GM. Um, yeah, so Mark Murphy's the CEO. Uh, the Packers GM is the one who allegedly um, – Pissed off Aaron Rodgers somewhere along the way. Uh, uh, Gudekunst is his name or something like that. Yeah, it's Brian uh, Gudekunst. And he is the one that Aaron Rodgers hates. Well, has he pissed off Devontae Adams now too? Uh, (laughs) Because they, I mean, is this guy just universally not liked? Because Adams broke off uh, contract extension talks as well. Well, that could just be a negotiation ploy. I don't know. That could be, I don't want to be here if Aaron Rodgers is not going to be here. I have no idea. Um, You know, the other thing, secretly... Well, I don't know if it's secretly or not, but very quietly behind the scenes. And I thought about this the whole time. It's it's because, and I'm not. I don't say that to try to sound smart. I mean, I can't pretend to know all of the inner workings of front offices in the NFL, but I do know certain work structures and power structures of any business, for example. And they do not want to set precedent where an employee can dictate terms as to what happens in a front office because of personal acrimony. Not because somebody did something wrong, like if you're lied to by one of your bosses and it's proven that you were lied to, or they steal from somebody in the organization, or they represent themselves publicly in a way that is uh, you know, in violation of whatever personal conduct code the company has, then yes, guys get removed and that can happen. And a subordinate or somebody who's on the same level can go to a president or a CEO and say, look, I'm not trying to talk out of school here. I'm not trying to usurp someone's authority. I've seen behavior that is disconcerting or directly it's impacted me and my ability to work here. No, we're talking about things like sexual harassment. We're talking about racist comments, things we've seen in the past in which a subordinate has been able to obviously successfully go to uh, somebody who's either uh, a superior or on the same level but has major influence and say, I can't work with this guy or, or woman because of these things. And if it's proven to be true, they're out. Got it. This is just seemingly from what I can read between the lines and from what the articles I've read is a personality conflict between two guys that don't like each other. Um, we're talking about huge egos here, probably for both. And at some point along the way, Aaron Rodgers felt slighted about not being asked about the Jordan Love stuff. And that infuriated him. 
And at some point when he talked to Brian Gutekind, that Brian basically told him to go pound sand. Aaron Rodgers like, I'm Aaron Rodgers. Brian said, I'm Brian Gutekind. <laughs> and, and then there was no mending of the fences there. That was the end of that. But, but the point being that that team is well put together. They're loaded. He just won the MVP. They just played the NFC Championship game. There's no reason to make those changes. Now, you could argue... I suppose, that if you're the number one decision maker with the Green Bay Packers, that maybe in this rare set of circumstances, you might let a GM go in favor of a player. Aaron Rodgers is one of the few, the three or four players in the league that you might be willing to do that for. You might say, you know, (laughs) Brian... We're going to have to let you go here because that is Aaron Rodgers, and he just won the MVP, and he is beloved here, and he's our best chance to win a Super Bowl, not you, but him. And we plan on keeping him for for the next three years. Tom Brady's going to be freaking 44 years old out here playing in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, 37. If Aaron Rodgers has that kind of level of play in him for the next six years, we'd like it to be here in Green Bay. You could argue that. But when you read sort of the undercurrents here of what was at play, not only do you have a major roadblock financially in the Packers and Rodgers trying to work out a deal to where Rodgers could leave and the Packers could somehow benefit, um, you you know, there was no trade leverage. You could never get fair market value for Aaron Rodgers when the people that you're negotiating with know that you've been over a barrel. So they, they were all handcuffed. And then at the end of the day, I know Aaron Rodgers is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But if I'm fining you every day you're gone, $50,000, it adds up awfully quick. And then as we get into the season, it's even more. And we can find you millions of dollars. I don't care how rich you are, man. People are not cool with cutting checks to sit at home to the tune of millions of dollars. So they held the cards there, and if they were willing to lose a lot of football games, which apparently they would be, and he was willing to waste a year at 37 years old of his football career, and he cares about legacy, obviously, then, you know, you were always going to see this group find a way to work it out. And it, it it can be ugly. It doesn't have to be friendly. We've seen clubhouses in baseball deal with players that have a rift with management. They just show up, they play baseball, they go home, and that's the end of it. And they, when the time comes, they make their deal eventually where it works out for both sides. Same thing in the NFL. You don't have to like everybody you work with. If a guy's a gifted player, I'm sure they're a – for example, we have known guys that are very difficult and who have constantly run into problems born from ego and made it difficult on management, their coaches, their teammates. But if they're uniquely gifted, they still went into battle every Sunday with that guy. Antonio Brown comes to mind. I mean, that guy, from what we learned about his time in Pittsburgh after the fact, whew, that could not have been easy for all involved. But dude can ball, and they found a way to line up on a Sunday. And I bet Ben wouldn't have had it any other way. So that's how it works. Um, I'm not surprised to read today that he'll be back. I do think it's going to be interesting to see what happens after this year and what happens moving forward. I mean, what what a tough scenario for, for Jordan Love. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the best scenario. Maybe, maybe Rodgers, 
has it in his head that he goes out there and makes a run out of Super Bowl, but is willing to help out the kid because he's not going to be there after this year, something along those lines. Who knows? I doubt it, but you know that, that's something to think about. But it just the more we the more we looked at this, we were we would have to believe that somebody was willing to wear twenty million, thirty million dollars in fines, and that the Packers were willing to let that person even after all of that go walk somewhere else to play and, and maybe beat them down the line. Because they, they – I mean, they could have held on to him for another couple of years. So, I, I don't know. Uh, this seemed like the, the logical conclusion here. I just know this. I know that over the weekend, not only did we get news about, you know, Rodgers and, and what was going to happen with the, with the team and whether or not he'd be back, but we saw camps open up. And – that was something we talked about last week, just thinking that, all right, here we go. Now we have real football practices, real football news. We had the Texans this week talking about a willingness to trade their quarterback. And, you know, at this point, that's a tough deal as well if you're trying to get a good offer for Deshaun Watson given what's hanging over his head. Two things at play there. A, he has said he'll never play for the Texans ever again. He hates them. They, probably right about now, aren't big fans of him, given that he has 22 separate lawsuits hanging over his head as we speak. Not exactly uh, a way to get a fair price for a player of that caliber on the opening market. Once again, they've got you bent over the barrel. Yeah, as an Eagles fan, the Eagles have been the main team linked to Watson since this all started. So yesterday I read that they want five high draft picks for Watson. No. No, not five? No. Okay, how about this? If I told you today that the 22 lawsuits were going to magically disappear, he was going to do no jail time, he was going to pay whatever fine he had to pay, publicly apologize to the women, whatever it might be. Remember, again, I know this is crass, but we're just talking about the football numbers here, okay? And if there are no crimes attached to him, like he's not being charged with felony assault or anything like that, let's say. Threw for nearly 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, and seven interceptions last year. You might part with quite a few oh, high yes. draft picks oh, yes. for a player. <laughs> yes, if there are no crimes, and sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean... In four seasons, he's been to the Pro Bowl three times, and it would appear he's getting better every year he plays. The interceptions are going down. The numbers are going up. Again, you got to shake that criminality thing. But if, if, and listen, he, right now they're, you know, these aren't, he's not being charged with felonies in this case. These are separate lawsuits. Um <laughs> He had a new one filed not all that long ago. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with this situation, but there's a lot of suits, a lot of suits to figure this all out. But, man, if I'm oddly, and you would really have to do your own investigation. You'd really have to look into the very nature of these accusations. They are, if true, um, yeah, they're they're. Sexual harassment and sexual assault, two different things, not good. But you really want to look into this very closely. If it does look like the plaintiffs are just 
going to settle out of court or he's going to settle out of court and he's never going to be charged with a felony, I mean, he's going to get, he's going to play again. How about four? How about four, four. high draft picks? <laughs> I mean, he will he will play again in the league if this doesn't turn into criminal charges. Last I'll say on this. The Jeff Cameron Show PR firm, this was a tough case that, that they brought to us. And what I said at that time was, if I could bring in my client, in this case, Deshaun Watson, and I said to him, hey, man, what's what here? And he said, look, Ben, I like massages, if you know what I mean. And I said, no, I know what kind of massages you like. Were they massages in which deals were worked out and there were understandings where, like, maybe if we were able to strike a check some of these situations, we could never have to enter a court of law, not face real charges, anything like that? Or are we in a different set of circumstances here where you need something more than the Jeff Cameron Show PR firm? Because if it's, if, it's if it's the first, I'm going to say we get out in front of this right now. You're going to take to the dais after we work out a class action <laughs> of some kind where we pay off these women, you're going to make a lot of money. And I'm not trying to make light of anything serious here. I don't know what he did or did not do. So obviously if he did anything heinous here against uh, oh, oh, these women's wishes, then that's awful. And I hope he does time and all of that. Of course, that's a, that's a no brainer. But if it's just that, anyhow, if, if it's, you know, I can't on the show, I don't want to get into too many details here, but if it's something in which it was just, he's stroking a check, you don't need to wait any longer. You need to get out in front of this. You got to step to the dais. If you can work up some tears, that'd be great. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, you know your sense of entitlement and um, the the maltreatment of these women. Um, uh, you, you you your level of arrogance is deplorable. You're so sorry. You make that apology, and then you let the league slap your ass with an eight game suspension. And we're playing football midway through this year. And you can get on to making that money because we'll sign a new deal with somebody, and that's where we go from here, right? I mean, every day that goes by, I mean, I know there's a lot at stake here, but it doesn't look like he's going to play football this year. There are more important things, again, depending on the crime, but I am kind of – if there is a crime, but it is it is curious. At some point, I we need to get with the getting here. I mean, um, there <laughs> – I went back. I know we got to go to break. I went back and looked at some of these accusations. It is such a this is these are murky waters. There's there's this one interaction where he's admitting to all these are Instagram instant messaging. You know, slide into the DMs like, hey, how you feel about a massage? And so, uh, uh, quite a few of these women are not licensed massage therapists. So I don't know really. You don't say. I don't know what's going on here, Matthew. I'm saying, so I'm saying this is a, a jumbled bit of a mess. <laughs> I can pull up by the curb. I can make it on the road going mobile. I can stop in any street and buy the people there with me going mobile.
I always let that play longer. It's just such a happy song. One of my favorites. Always puts a smile on my face. Yes, Eddie, it does make me smile. As an aside, uh, don't forget, August the 9th, you'll be listening to the Jeff Cameron Show every day on Warchant TV on YouTube. You'll also be able to download the podcast uh, as you do now, but it'll be even easier because it'll work on time and be functional every single day as we switch up the RSS feed. I'll tell you about that. I'll also be on uh, with my partners at 93.3 FM uh, from 1 to 3 p.m. every afternoon. So you're just going to get so much of me. And I know how excited you guys are for August the 9th. I, I, I'll be spread thin. Everybody will be able to get a piece. <laughs> but a lot of people continue to ask, so I will continue to update. There's that. Were you going to play something? No. You were awaiting probables? I'll get to them before I do. Let me uh, say, North- listen, we have to make way uh, contractually for this doubleheader with the damn Braves and the Mets. What are we going to do? Uh, five o'clock. Uh, the pregame's already started. Uh, I forced my way onto the air today and said, no, no, we can't do that. We had too much recruiting news, too many things to get to, uh, but but we're going to make way for the Braves at 5 o'clock. So if you're hopping in your car and you're driving home, you're going to get uh, the greatness of a few minutes of the, the, the Braves pregame show, and then you're going to get uh, the doubleheader. We're really infringing on our contracts. Well, we're a little bit uh, under the umbrella of the renegade uh, duo right now, you and I. We kind of... Do what we want when we want these days on these airwaves. But you can only cross that line so much. And I fear that if we continue to just not air the damn Braves while, you know, while still doing it last hour, uh, we might end up getting in some trouble. We have to put Ben Ingram on the air, folks. But it's- Ben Ingram is good. And I will tell you that as I hop into my car this evening to drive home, uh, I'm going to be listening to Ben Ingram. I like listening to Ben Ingram. Braves baseball's pregame show delights me i i think it's one of the best in the country it really is i don't know that i've listened to a whole bunch of other pregame shows around the country but i can't imagine they're better than his that dude's a beast if you're a braves fan you have to love him in a special kind of way because he clearly loves the braves my god he can't wait to break down every facet of this baseball team who's been somewhat uh you know middling to say the least and yet you he'll have you believing they're gonna they're gonna round the corner any day now. Things are gonna work out. We'll see. But as we go to probables, let me just say that it's brought to you by our friends at North Florida Payroll Services. North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFloridaPayroll.com. It's time for how you say, with the pitching uh, probables? So this first one's Kyle Mueller and Marcus Stroman, Braves met. Second one, Bryce Wilson for the Braves, who does not know how to spell Bryce even a little bit. B-R-Y-S-E. Get it together, Bryce Wilson family. Mets TBD, they're trying to figure it out. Let's go Nationals Phillies. That's Joe Ross. Spencer Howard. We got the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. TBD for the Blue Jays. Red Sox going to throw Nick Pavetta. We got the Reds and the Cubs. That'd be Wade Miley and Kyle Hendricks. Tigers Twins. Matt Manning, Michael Pineda. White Sox Royals, Dallas Keuchel, Mike Miner. Rockies, Angels, Herman Marquez, Shohei Atani. Yes, sir. 930 tonight, baby. I'll be watching. 
Get another dinger, why don't you show? Hey, he did yesterday. Astros Mariners, Luis Garcia. Mariners, TBD. Were you aware that the Mariners are having the kind of year they're having? No, I wasn't. And actually, I was going to bring that up because I saw a stat earlier this afternoon um, from Stathead, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they are 54 and 46 yes. with a run differential of minus 52. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And they're the only sense. team since 1901 to be at least eight games over 500 uh, through 100 games and have a run differential of minus 50 or worse. That's insane. So what that is, is baseball being baseball. They are smoke and mirrors, not any good at all. But there they are. We should all be so lucky. That is the definition of why hope springs eternal for every fan base in spring training. Because there are anomalies in baseball, oddities in baseball, that allow for you to occasionally be in the mix pretty late into a season one in which you entered with very little hope. But if you win every one-run game and you lose a bunch of nine-to-nothing games, that's how you end up on these run differentials that are nuts. But you just win every single 50-50 game, and here you are. They have been a weird, weird team. Yeah, if you don't know, by the way, think about what we've seen, for example, in the American League with the Red Sox at 61-39. and I don't know how many people thought that was going to happen this year. The Rays are 60 and 40, and that and adding Nelson Cruz is a big deal. And man, that was a nice move by the Rays. Always, always those guys. And the Yankees are obviously fighting to emerge from their slumber, five and five over their last 10, 51 and 47 overall. That's just fantastic. Oh, it's wonderful. I hope it stays that way. Hell, the Blue Jays are 49 and 46. I mean, they're they're right there on the fringe. Of, and listen, the Blue Jays ought to be well ahead of the Yankees. The Blue Jays are a better team for starters. Secondly, they're plus 86, and the Yankees are plus 5. Another incredible oddity. The, the Blue Jays can offensively are really, really good. Uh, and then there is, you know, I mean, um, for me, if you're having fun in baseball right now, you're watching those kinds of divisions because who would have thought in the West that you would have Four teams above 500. Well, the Angels, after losing, uh, are, are actually they won last night. So, yeah, the Angels are right there. They're, and then you've got the Mariners at 54 and 46, 56 and 45 with the A's. And the A's have lost three straight to fall to that record. And the Houston Astros, unfortunately, are 61 and 39. Your Philadelphia Phillies, four games back of first place, sitting at 500. Get off your ass and do something. Pitch maybe every once in a while. <laughs> well, no, actually, Nola pitched well on uh, eight and two thirds. Yeah, um, but other than that, not not a lot of pitching going on. Well, no, you're minus twenty three. Like you don't, yeah. People score runs against the Phillies, but specifically in like the seventh or later, <laughs> when like Adam Morgan and then people come in, which is an inside joke. Uh, just me and you, yes, basically. Yes. It's one of my favorite. One of my favorite moments was uh, a year spent listening to you going, Adam Morgan. Arms in the air when he came in. Here's a home run. I remember you would first guess it. Like you'd be watching the computer because we were working, and then you'd be like, oh, okay, we just decided to bring in Adam Morgan. Here we go. And then I'd be doing a segment with Tom, and I'd look in the background while you were directing the show, and you'd and I'd see you just go, hands up in the air, 
Two-run bomb given up. <laughs> Incredulous. Yeah, you just knew. It was it was coming. It was Even the Pirates had a bomb off of him, and you texted me like, mm-hmm, that's what he does. That's a, There you go. That's what. Serving up home runs of Gregory Polanco, <laughs> are we? <laughs> Bombs, 480 feet. Just there we go. Good work out of you, sir. Thanks to all those that listen to the program. Enjoy Braves baseball. It's uh, coming to you next. Contractually obligated to hand you to the Braves, but we'll be back with you tomorrow. Be well.